0: In light of what happened this last week in Oregon, I want to share a verse with you. And this is a verse that uh, I I meet with a few guys, and we memorize Scripture together, and it just so happened. I don't know that this is an in, a coincidence, uh, but our memory verse this week was Matthew 10, 28. And it says this. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the... Bu- can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. And I'm just thinking, you know, as as times go on and we see things happening, we see the persecution of Christians and the world seeking opportunity to attack Christians do not be afraid of the one who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather our fear, our love our devotion is to him May that be a word of encouragement to you today. May that be just a point of stimulation to your heart and to your spirit that He is the one we hang on to. In tumultuous times, He is the one that we hold on to. And our faith is built on someone who is rock solid. And what we are doing is worth it. You believe that? It's worth it. And I think it would be very appropriate for us today to pray for those people in Oregon who have been touched this last week by trauma and and heartache. Let's pray together. We pray, God, for those families who have lost loved ones and we know that there have been martyrs this week in our own country. People who were willing to stand up and say, I'm a Christian. And they got killed for it. And so, we know that they are in your hands and we pray, God, for their families. We pray for comfort. We pray for your angels to surround them. We pray for those who have been wounded. And I'm not sure of their conditions at this point and how they are doing uh, physically, but we, if they're fighting for their life, we're asking for you to help in that. You would just intervene and for all of those people in that area and across our country. Help us in our devotion to you to hold firm. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I just feel strongly that as we go through this series on Love love Does, that God is going to put people in your pathway through the week for you to love. And it is our responsibility to have eyes that are open and ears that are open, hearts that are open, and a willingness to respond to that prompting that God puts in our heart. To love those people. And, and I want to share with you just an incident that happened just yesterday to me. Uh, as he put a man in my pathway to show love to. I was playing racquetball early yesterday morning at Buck Run. And we'd finished our game, came out of the, the racquetball court and there in the exercise room. Uh, of Buck Run. there was an elderly gentleman there. I'd never seen him in there before. I didn't know who he was. Uh, but he was very cordial. We exchanged greetings uh, with one another. And uh, he seemed like he was very open to talking. So I said, hey, uh, you're, you're in here exercising. He said, yeah. I said, man, how old are you? <laughs> uh, he told me he was 82 years old. And I commended him, I said, man, that's great. You're in here, 82 years old, you're exercising, that's, that's great. And then he began to tell me his story. Uh, he's been a very active person throughout his life, been a hard worker. And uh, a while back, he had to have a knee replaced. And uh, from that surgery and the experience, uh, he, he got staph infection in that knee. And uh, this was a hospital away from here. Uh, I just want you to know that. So, uh, I mean, this presented a terrible, terrible hardship for him over months and months of trying to get through that that trouble. And uh, he said he was in bed flat on his back for nine months. And I think he said three or four more surgeries Trying to deal with that staph infection. And his life was at times hanging in the balances. He said uh, at one one point he thought he was going to lose his leg. But at other points through this process he thought he was going to lose his life. And so his life over these months past have been really, really hard. Really bad for him. And he's telling me this. I'm listening to him. And then he begins to tell me that he has a son who has a lot of health issues himself, just a lot of struggles in his life. And, and I listened, and, and when he finished his story, I, uh, I just reached out my hand to him, and I said, hey, can I pray with you? And it, it kind of shocked him. He wasn't ready for that, but he was very open to that. He said, well, sure, yeah. And so I, I prayed with him and ask God to help him in his recovery and to help his son in his troubles. And uh, we were able to talk about God and church. And this fellow didn't have a church home at the time. He's had God in his life through the years, but he is not connected with the church at this present time. And I was able to invite him to church. I really hope I'll see him here over these weeks to come. But uh, I feel like that was one person that God put in my path just yesterday. I wasn't expecting it, but I was having my spiritual antennas up, and when the opportunity came, I saw it, and the Lord was prompting me, and I was able to be used by God to encourage this fellow. And I think the same thing can happen to each of you if you have your spiritual antennas up and you're saying Lord would you just show me somebody to love this week he'll do that I mean God there's there's not too many prayers that God would love to answer more than that to have you love somebody in his name and to encourage that person and maybe even help them come to a closer relationship with him or a saving relationship with him so just be ready be open because i'm thinking we love because he first loved us that's that's our goal our goal is to honor him you know and i would love it if over these weeks to come if you have such an experience as that to, to love somebody That you would share that with me Write it down on a piece of paper And share it with me or, uh, And I might, I might Can use that in a sermon Because over these weeks to come I just want to share Opportunities That, that you've been given Or maybe even to have you come up And share that opportunity as a, as a testimony And none of this is to toot our own horn In any way, shape or form it's all about Him. It's not about us. But you're sharing your testimony of how God opened a door for you and you, you were used by Him to His glory. That can encourage others to be loving too and to have their antennas up and to be looking. Because, you know, if, if, if that can happen for Kevin, then it can happen for Roy or Jim or Daniel or Cindy. It, it can happen for all of us. And God wants to use each and every one of us to show love in his name and to his glory. And we do that because he first loved us. That's our motivation. He loved us. We love others. How is it that the world will know that we are Christians? By our love. I, I'm, I was thinking this last week of, of a song that we used to sing as When I was a little kid sitting around the campfire at church camp. They'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And that's taken straight from Scripture. John chapter 13, verse 35. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And so I'm wondering if... Can people look at your life and see that you are a Christian by the way that you are loving others? Before I get further into the sermon, let me just tell you about uh, a couple of Sundays away, October 18th. And I mentioned this to you last week. You'll hear about it each week because this is... This is a big Sunday for us. In fact, it's unlike any other Sunday that we've ever had. We're going to do church differently that day. Instead of a 9 o'clock and an 11 o'clock service, we're going to have an 8 o'clock service. One service that day. We're asking everybody to come. And that service will last for about 45 minutes. We'll have some songs. We'll have communion. We'll have the offering. We'll have a short sermon. And then we're going to dismiss you to go out and love the community. Okay? And and Tim is doing, I mean, he's putting a lot of work into trying to organize this particular Sunday. And we're asking for your help. If you live next to someone who, who looks like maybe they could use some help. Maybe you live next to an elderly person or a... a, a a widow a single person uh, and they could use some help with their yard and trimming some bushes or having their windows washed or or leaves raked gutters cleaned out whatever the job might be that we could send a, a work crew over to help them on that particular sunday then we need you to be giving to us those people's names and their addresses and the jobs that needs done so be talking to your neighbor this is a good opportunity for you to be neighborly and uh, find out what those jobs might be and say, hey, we want to send a work crew over and that means we're going to need some workers that day who will stay, not just leave at 845 and say, I'm free for the day. No, we're free to go and serve for these few hours. And then we're going to ask you to come back and eat lunch with us. We're going to have lunch here, a couple other places around town that you can go to for a free lunch. We're going to invite the community to eat lunch with us that day. And so it's a day of service to our community. Now, a few months ago, we had a survey, and some of you filled out on that survey, and you said that you felt like Community Christian Church needed to be more community service-minded. And so this day is planned as a result of that. We've heard what you've said on that survey, and we, well, let's, let's plan a day that we can put this, some feet to this and some hands to this and be, be a more servant-minded church to the community. So we need your participation that day. I, I want to emphasize, love does. It's what this whole... Uh, series is about. I spent a few days just recently with my family. I've mentioned that to you last Sunday, and uh, we had a lot of fun together. My brother Tom was here from Oregon, and his wife Terry, my sister from Arkansas, uh, Debbie, and her husband Stan, my mom, and we were all together. And during that time, my brother told a very interesting story that I wanted to just convey to you today. Uh, happened to some people in his congregation. Uh, a number of those folks. From his congregation. Went to a place there in Oregon. Called Family Fun Center. And it was one of those places. That has go-karts. And, and mini-golf. And and uh, uh, bumper cars. All, all kinds of fun for the family. And they also had. Invited Toby Mack. To be there that day. Who is a, a Christian uh, musical artist. And he's. He's big time, and uh, there were 10,000 people at this place on that particular day. It was a big day, and uh, it was also a hot day, my brother said. And so the concession lines were long. They were about an hour long. If you wanted to get a, a drink or a hot dog or a hamburger, you had to stand in line for an hour to get that and so one of the ladies from Tom's church named Gwen had stood in line for quite a long while planning to get drinks for her family and uh, she had noticed just up ahead of her a little bit a fellow that she recognized he was a preacher from a neighboring church there in Grants Pass and he was kind of a loud personality. If you were in his vicinity, you knew he was there because he was just that kind of a guy. And she was watching as, as some fellow walked up who apparently knew him and started conversing with him. And then very slyly, but not so slyly, he just kind of hung around. He... Butted into line is what he was doing. He didn't wait, go to the end of the line to wait like everybody else was doing that day. He just kind of made his way through conversation, and when the conversation ended, he just stayed there. And the fella behind Gwen saw it happen. And she heard him say, That's why I do not become a Christian. And boy, that stung. And she wanted to turn around and apologize to him for what had just happened and to say to him, you know, not every Christian is that way. But she didn't. She kept her mouth shut. She just kept her eyes forward. She went to the front of the line or to the, to the counter. She finally got up there. She gave her order. And then she said, uh, before I pay, I want to pay for the people behind me. Okay. So she steps aside. The next person steps up, who has said this, and uh, he makes—he's about to make his order—and the person behind the counter says, "This is your lucky day. Uh, Jesus has paid for you." <laughs> That's what what the person said. There is no charge for you, and that—that that was a shock to him. But he welcomed the news. He put his order in. He. He didn't have to pay. He went on, but he did notice the lady next to him. So she paid for it, and later she ran across him and stopped and was talking with him, and he says, you're a Christian, aren't you? Yeah. And it opened a door for her to begin to talk to this fellow. She was able to witness to him. And come to find out, He's married to a Christian woman. And she's been working on him for years, trying to get him to go to church with her. And so this gal was able to just put in a witness, a word to him. And it was a reminder to me that God can use us if we'll show just a little bit of love to our neighbor. God can use us. He can open a door through that for us to witness to other people. It was also a witness or a reminder to me that people are watching us all the time. And the good or the bad in our life is making an impact upon people. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, last week I mentioned to you that every sermon in this series... I want simply to take a passage of Scripture and show from that Scripture how Jesus loved. And today we're in John chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, turn there. John chapter 8, I want to read beginning with verse 2. It says, Early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? Isn't it interesting? These religious leaders had not come into the temple to worship. I mean that's what the temple was for. It was a place to worship God. It was a com- it was a place to come and 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 put your your eyes heavenly towards the father. But that is not why these Fellows had come into the temple that day Now it seems like the other people Had come for that reason They were sitting at the feet of Jesus Listening to him teach It seems to me that they were open They wanted to learn They were attentive to him And I want to encourage you to be that way When you come here on a Sunday morning Could you come ready To hear the word of God And to be attentive to what he might have To say to you he has a message for each of us if we'll have our ears open to Him. But these religious leaders had not come to listen to Jesus. They had come to try and trap Him. They wanted to put Him in a corner and make Him look bad in front of the people. And so to do this, they had this adulterous woman as the bait. They said to Jesus that she had been caught in the very act of adultery. I'm wondering about that. Have you you thought about, did they spy on her? Is that what they were doing? Or maybe did they bribe somebody to go and do business with her? And then they busted in the door. It seems to me that something just wasn't right here. That these religious leaders didn't have something better to do with their time than this. And yet here they are. They have this woman at their feet. They are publicly shaming her and they are pressing Jesus for an answer. What shall we do with her? Moses in the law tells us to stone her. What do you say? You may wonder, how was this a trap? Well, it definitely was a trap. For indeed Moses did say to stone such a woman. But where was the man who was in the act of adultery too? Have you ever thought about that? Why didn't they bring him? They should have. If they were really sincere about upholding the law of Moses, they should have had him along too. But they weren't concerned about upholding the law of Moses. They were most concerned about trying to trap Jesus. Because he had been preaching a message of love and a message of forgiveness and turn the other cheek and go the extra mile. And they felt like they had him right where they wanted him. If he said, stone her, then they could nail him for not upholding his message of love and forgiveness. If he said, said, forgive her, Then they could nail him for not upholding the law of Moses. They must have felt so smug in their trap as they had set it for Jesus. Let's read on and see Jesus' response. Verse 6, they were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. Don't you wish you knew what Jesus was writing in the sand? I doubt he was doodling. At the very least, he was gathering his thoughts. Some suggest, as I was reading different commentaries about this, some suggest that maybe he was writing their sins in the sand. Lying, cheating, selfishness. Pride, lust. One commentary I read suggested that maybe he wrote Scripture in the sand, such as Exodus 23.1, where it says, Do not join your hand with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. Uh, we really don't know what he wrote in the sand. But I'm sure what it says in the first part of verse 7 is an understatement. It says that they were pressing him For an answer. Let me read verse 7 to you. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Wow. I'm thinking those words were like a sledgehammer hitting them. Or a sword going into the inner parts of their being. Who would dare be the first to throw a stone at her? Verse 8 says, again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. He's he's giving time for his words to sink in and do their work on these fellows. This was one of those moments, I imagine, where the hands of the clock would have just seemingly went so slow. The people, they're watching. To see how this plays out. And, 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 the, and the, the, the adulterous woman, she's laying there in the sand waiting for their next move. Jesus is riding in the sand. It's, it's like a chess match. It was the Pharisees' turn to play. He has responded. Now it's their turn to respond. Look at verse 9. It says, when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone, and the woman where she was in the center of the court. The accusers were gone now. And now Jesus and the woman who had been caught in adultery, they are there, just the two of them. There are onlookers, no doubt. But it's like They have a moment between the two of them looking at one another face to face. And there is no one arguing or doubting whether she is a sinner. Everyone knows that she is a sinner. Verse 10 and 11, straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on, sin no more. You talk about amazing love by the Savior. He offered grace to her amidst her sin. But, note this, he also called her to live a more righteous life. In other words, he didn't just pat her on the back and say, Oh, it's okay, your sins are okay, everybody's okay. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven but go and sin no more. He extended grace to her, but he also called her to a more righteous life. And there is a lot that we can learn from this story. I have three points that just very quickly I'll share with you. One, Jesus, just see his grace. He's much more interested in forgiving this woman than he is in condemning her. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they're they're very quick to to condemn. They're good at finger pointing. They're good at, at judging. But they had failed to look into the mirror and see their own sins. And that's easy to do. I mean, it's easy for us to spot somebody else's sin, isn't it? And then to highlight that. But we fail to look into the mirror and see that we're sinners too. And sometimes, I think that's why the world is turned off from us. Is because we can, if we're not careful, come across as very judgmental and very condemning. They don't see us loving enough. The one that we say that we follow, they don't see us following Him. They don't see us loving the way He loves. Now I realize the world is very quick to jump on this bandwagon and say you're judging us when what we might be doing is just standing on the truth of God's Word and and, and that we must do we must never compromise the truth of God's Word I don't know if you heard about the church in Georgia that was celebrating its 100th anniversary they were a part of a certain denomination and and so they decided to ask the denominational headquarters to send them someone to speak on this special anniversary day. And the day came, the church was packed to overflowing. And what you need to know is this particular church belonged to a denomination that had become very liberal in its view of the Bible. And the man that they spoke Sent that day to speak to the church also was a very liberal preacher, but the church itself had not gone down that road. The church had stayed very conservative, believing the Bible to be true and without error. And so when this preacher got up to preach, he wasn't quite ready for what was ready to happen nor was he used to someone uh, responding so uh, abruptly when he was preaching. He began his sermon by saying that he was going to preach on Moses that day, how Moses led the people of God out of Egypt into the Promised Land. And about that time, one old boy on the front row, he stands up and he shouts, Hallelujah! What a miracle! Drowning Pharaoh's whole army in the Red Sea! What a miracle of God! And then he sat back down. Well, you can imagine. <laughs> kind of shocked the preacher. It took him a few moments to get his composure back, and then he went on with his sermon, and he he, he began to say, you know, this really wasn't a miracle. It wasn't a miracle at all. I mean, that that part of the Red Sea, probably just four to five inches of water there, and the people, they just walked across through the shallow water. This old boy who stood up earlier he stands up again and he says this. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What a mighty miracle. Drowning Pharaoh's whole army in 4 to 5 inches of water. <laughs> what a miracle. <laughs> this book's true. This book's true. And we stand on it. But, there are a lot of people out there in the world who aren't ready to accept this as a book of truth. And so, we must love them. And maybe as they sense our love towards them, and they experience our love, then they'll be ready to hear the message that we have to speak to them. I mean, this, this woman was a sinner, no doubt about it, but Jesus loved her. He was gracious towards her, and I'm thinking she was then ready to hear his message. The second point, I'll just tell it to you, and then we'll jump to the third point because we're out of time. Second point, if you're taking notes, love does not mean that we tolerate sin. Kind of, I touched on that. Point number three, love does. Love does. In this case that we've read in Scripture, love through Jesus was forgiving. Love was accepting. Love reached out to the one who was hopeless and that's what love does. It's it's just that way. I want to tell you about my sister, and then I'll close. I wish you could know my sister better. Her name is Debbie, and she really is a rose amongst two thorns, my brother and I. She is, she's, I just love her, my. She's the the kind of woman that every church needs 10 or 20 of Debbie's because she loves people. And she is a leader. She leads a women's Bible study every week. And these women, younger in the faith, they, they just are like sponges as Debbie teaches them the Word of God. And here recently, as she and the women were gathered, one of the ladies began to share this last week, such a a hard week. I guess she lives with an abusive husband. And this last week, it just escalated to a point that the police were called. and, And... Ended up, Debbie saying to her, "You know, if you if you need a place to live for a while, you get till you get all this sorted out. You know, I've got I've got a home. You, my home is your home. And it wasn't just talk. It was a sincere offer because it wasn't too long ago that that uh, Teresa." lived with my sister for eight months. Same kind of scenario. Teresa is one of the gals that my sister Debbie works with. They become just really close friends. And Teresa lived with an abusive husband. And there were, there came a time where it just, it got to a point, she, Teresa just couldn't handle it anymore. The guy was yelling at her and cussing at her telling her to get out of the house. Well, Teresa did. She left. She ended up at Debbie's house. Lived in the downstairs bedroom for eight months. Ate at Debbie and Stan's table for eight months so she could get her feet on the ground. You see, love does. Love doesn't just say, be warm and be filled. God bless you. Love does. And it it may not be as drastic as that, opening your home to somebody for eight months, but it may be that God would send somebody into your path every day or at least a few times a week. He'll send somebody into your path that you can show the love of Jesus to. Let's be faithful. Let's love the way Jesus loved. Let's pray. God, help us. Help us to be loving. And to realize that our love's more than words. Help us to have those open eyes and open ears. In Jesus' name.